Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Dan here. Just a quick message to say that I have set up a Patreon whilst I'm going through the rebuild on these channels. Uh, might help me with getting towards a filming day or replacing a bit of equipment if I need to, something like that. There's a couple of tiers available with loads of different benefits, which include Cricket 22 career mode, maybe 24 if that ever comes out, bat stickers, giveaways, uh, an exclusive Discord server, loads of other bits and bobs as well. So if you are interested, appreciate you taking a look. Follow the link in the description of the video or the podcast. And obviously, if you don't, I still appreciate you spending your time watching the videos and, and supporting the channel as well. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to, to the podcast. I'm kind of wondering, Joe, uh, before I ask you how you are, but I'm kind of wondering whether the Our Cricket podcast, we could change the name to some kind of like cricket phrase or, or something like that, just just to mix it up a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't know. I've, I've thrown that on you. Um, you're not prepared for it. I understand it might be a little bit of a shock to the system, but maybe have a think about it. See what you just see what you might come up with. You know, I don't know. But how are you anyway? I'm very well, thanks. I'm good. Um, yeah, I've just come back from the 100, so I'm getting used to being at home and sorting out all my kit bags and unpacking and repacking, all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's great fun. Um, the podcast name, maybe... How's that? Or is that... That's just, yeah, that's just a bit easy, isn't it? A bit I, I, I... I, f- I feel like it might need a little bit more thought than that. Okay, too. well, that was the first thing that came into my head. So at least I had an answer. <laughs> true, true. Nothing. You did have an answer. You did have an answer, which which I appreciate. So you're back from the 100. Um, Trent Rockets didn't make it through, did they? That was... you Because you, when we spoke last week, you needed some results to go your way with your own results obviously being positive as well, but obviously didn't quite work out for you, for you girls. Yeah, no, I think we spoke... This time last week, wasn't it? Friday. So then we played Birmingham Phoenix on Saturday. Yeah. We beat them. It was quite a close game in the end, but we beat them. And then we needed on Sunday London Spirit to beat Welsh Fire. So I was watching that yeah. with kind of eager eyes, but Fire came out on top. So then that essentially meant that 
we were eliminated. So going into our game on Monday with the Oval Invincibles was pretty much a, a dead rubber. But it actually turned out to be quite an exciting game for the for the neutral. So hopefully that Oval crowd was entertained um, on a Monday. There were quite a few people in as well, to be fair. Um, I think for our game, there yeah. was definitely more than 10,000. And the men's game was absolutely stacked to the brim. Obviously, Oval Invincibles men have gone straight through to the final on Sunday at Lords. But yeah, all in all, a good month, I'd say. An enjoyable month. Learned a lot from some really good coaches, uh, being around a really good good playing staff as well. Um, yeah, it was just another good experience and just grateful that I was able to play every game as well. Yeah, I was going to ask, actually, do you come away from it thinking, like feeling like you're a better cricketer than what you were when you actually kind of started? Yeah, 100%. Um, especially as I'd kind of had that six weeks off with my dodgy broken hand it felt like I hadn't been in a I guess an intense kind of cricket environment for a fair amount of time I guess and yeah I was just like a sponge really just trying to take in as much information whether that was from coaches or or other players just observing how they go about their business um just trying to get as much out of every training session as possible really and yeah I've got some some decent like reflections um that I've taken away whether that be batting bowling fielding kind of things to take my game forward so yeah definitely felt like I learned a lot happy days because I had I did a video that came out of the weekend with the with the wicket keeping coach and like as a club cricketer particularly down in the in the real kind of mid slash lower leagues that that so many of us including myself will play in you do end up feeling a little bit kind of isolated with regards to what kind of help that you can actually get because you you can't it's not necessarily a teammate with you that you can kind of maybe kind of have a conversation with as to as to kind of oh what do you think is respectfully to 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 everybody that plays down in that that kind of level potentially not the not the brightest buttons when it comes to when it comes to cricket itself but like I had that session with Josh and you you come away with two or three different kind of things and because I think like good coaches have such a good way at kind of transferring information without you really even knowing that you've learned anything you it it hits you so much better than what it does if somebody's just turned around and said oh don't do that and you go yeah but what does that mean how how am I meant to not do that? Whereas a good coach like Josh in this instance was kind of like, oh, what if you did this? And you go, oh, that's a really good idea actually. It, it may, and it it makes such a huge difference. So I think I think from a from an amateur's perspective, if if you can if you can get any kind of like proper coaching, um, like get get hold of it if you can because it makes such a huge difference. Particularly if that coach is good, and I think that probably echoes your kind of comments with regards to who you've just hung out with for the last month as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I'm not I'm not ignorant to the fact that obviously club cricketers don't have the access that we as professionals do. Like that's that's just a fact. But I guess I probably don't consider like that point as much in terms of you don't regularly have training sessions with coaches. Like you'll just go for a hit with your teammates on an evening yeah. on the square at your cricket club, I assume. There won't necessarily be a yeah, coach. Yeah, and I mean, if 
if 25 of the 30 balls are straight, Joe, as well, I mean, that's an absolute bonus. Yeah, you've got to make sure that Cade is collecting the uh, the wayward balls so they don't go off the strip. <laughs> no, um, but you're absolutely right in terms of, like, the good coaches showing you how and giving you a method as part of the feedback that, say, they've observed something in your in your batting, for example. It's all well and good them saying, like, this is what's happening, don't do it, as you say, but how they transfer that and make it give give you an example of, of something to put into practice and show you how you can then incorporate it into your game and become better. And obviously there'll be instances where you try things and they don't work for you. But then again, the good coaches will have an alternative way to, to think about something and you, you might give something slightly different a shot and then that, works for you and you're like brilliant well I feel like I can harness that put that into practice and all of a sudden you're what five ten percent better um I don't think you can underestimate the importance of having a good coach and and kind of the way that they communicate definitely with with their players or whoever it is that they're coaching yeah genuinely genuinely right uh Joe quick question from Jono from the Patreon if you'd like to join there's a link in the description of the video he um he's basically turned around and said he doesn't care about my cricket, but he's he's asked he's gone. What does the rest of the season look like for Joe now that the hundred is at its final stages? So what what have you got? What have you got left? Yeah, so we've just got four games of the Rachel Hayo Flint Trophy left. So four of our fifty over um, competition group games left. I don't think we can qualify for the the eliminator playoff stage of the competition so yeah just four games left I think the first one of those is on Tuesday or Wednesday the 5th or 6th of September so yeah a couple of home games we've got Western Storm at Radlett then I think Central Sparks at Chelmsford then we play the Blaze at Loughborough and then we finish our season up in Durham so couldn't be any further away um but yeah, we finish up in Durham at Emirates Riverside against the Northern Diamonds. So yeah, that's it. They're the only kind of four professional games I've got left. Not sure if I can fit in any club cricket on a Saturday in and around then. Because um, I think, well, you've did you say you've only got three games left? Yeah, so it's all, I've had kind of a good week and also a bit of a bad week when it comes to the amateur cricket this week. So we had a, we had a T20 quarter final on Wednesday night. And we lost that. So we've got no finals day on Bank Holiday Monday, which is which is a shame. Um, team we played, they got about 160 odd and we, we couldn't chase it down. I think I think 160 for, for amateurs is probably quite a tough kind of target to actually get to. Um, but they played really well. And um, I don't know whether anybody will listen, but if you are, like, good luck on Monday. Um, not bitter about it at all. And then Saturday, Saturday... So we've got two league games left, Saturday and the 2nd of September, which is our final day. This Saturday, however, the team we were meant to play have already conceded because they couldn't actually get a team together. So from a league perspective, amazing because we've got 30 points from it. So we've already won that game, which is, which is great in terms of the context of the league. The weather forecast might look a little bit dodgy, so potentially other teams don't actually play, which would be 
kind of rogue. But from an amateur's perspective, I'm a bit gutted because I'd rather play. Like, I'd rather lose the game and play cricket than kind of just go, oh, brilliant, we've got 30 points and it just rolls on to the next weekend and might make our life slightly easier with regards to getting promoted to Division 6. But I just want to play. Uh, and I'm a bit gutted, really, that that they that they haven't been able to raise a team. I mean, hopefully it's not like a sign of things to come for them and for, for other amateur sides. But... Yeah, bit of a bummer, really. Yeah, wow. I mean, you. it seems as though you've got the very, very rare occasion in a cricket season where you've actually got a bank holiday weekend with no cricket in it. Mm. Oh, no, I'm playing for I'm playing for the Metronomes. I don't know whether you've heard have, of that yeah. team. I'm playing for them on Sunday. Okay, so it could have been three days of cricket in a row, but actually it's only, only one for your bank holiday weekend. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. At least you've got a game. Um, but, I mean... You just love the game, so of course you want to play tomorrow. That's disappointing. Did you win last week? The yes, yeah, yeah we won last week. Yeah, we won last week, so we're still second, and we're four points off the top. So, so we go. So, assuming every the thing is the difficulty is if everybody wins tomorrow, including us, we then play top of the league on the final day which means we have to beat top of the league, assuming the team in third place wins, because otherwise they'll overtake us and therefore then we'll finish third and we won't go up. So, yeah, it could kind of do with a bit of rain tomorrow or whoever the team in third are playing, they could do with doing us a bit of a favour um, and take a bit of the pressure off for that final Saturday. But we'll, we'll, see what, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And there could be a promotion party on Saturday, the 2nd of September, which is good, which is kind of good. But at the same time, I've got to be up at like 7.30 in the morning to drive to Northampton for commentary for the game against Lanks. So I can't get, I can't get completely, uh, I can't get completely hammered like you did on the bus ride back from, back from London. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like it's building into a very exciting end to your season. I almost hope that the team in third do win tomorrow, just so it's extra juicy and you've got a bit of, You've got mm. a bit more riding on it. So when inevitably you do beat the team that are in top, you've got more to celebrate. I mean, how good would that yeah. be? Um, well, I think if we beat if we beat the team on the 2nd of September, we win the league. Well, that's better than a, just a standard promotion party, surely. You've got exactly. to be going for the... Exactly, but it still means the alarm clock doesn't change on the Sunday morning, which is... Which is the issue? Yeah, I can see. I can see why that would be an issue. Not like you're um, foreign to driving up to Northampton in the early hours of any morning, but yeah, even more so the Saturday after the league finishes. Um, yeah, my my bus journey from London that was an interesting one on uh, whatever day it was, Tuesday. Just uh, I just had some nice. Nice coconut water and a Greg sausage roll. Bit of extra sleep that got got me through to Nottingham. We were fine. Um, yeah, we wrapped up we wrapped up our campaign quite nicely on Monday evening. It was quite civilized, just in our in our team room at the hotel. Obviously, I think we're going to be moving into it now. But kind of the with it being kind of a farewell to Catherine Siver Brunt and on all she's achieved in the game. She obviously played her last professional game of cricket last Saturday against Birmingham Phoenix at Trent Bridge and then because our game was a dead rubber on Monday against the Oval Invincibles and she was struggling with a bit of a hip injury she didn't actually take the field on Monday so yeah it was kind of her last time in a, in a playing environment um, 
and yeah, we made sure that she was kind of sent off in a, in a nice nice way. A few emotions flying around, but yeah, it was it was a good evening. Yeah, as you say, it's been a bit of a bit of a changing of the guard, hasn't it, in women's cricket, domestic women's cricket, international women's cricket in England. I know the three of them would have retired internationally earlier this year, if not before, but um, Alex Hartley. Catherine Siverbrunt and Anya Shrubsole all kind of retiring at the end of of this this hundred tournament, which I think kind of first of all is is a compliment towards the hundred tournament for the women's game in the first place. It's the case of we want to retire on the on top, as you, we've just spoken about. You've got four more uh, Rachel Heho Flint games to to play, which not to devalue those, but clearly in the women's game in the, in England and Wales, the that hundred tournament is the big ticket. Um, but it is a little bit of a changing of the guard, isn't it? Obviously, that would have been your... Have you rubbed shoulders with those three girls in particular that frequently in your career? What are they like as people? Yeah, I have a little bit, actually. So I first came across Alex Hartley when I was at Loughborough Uni, and she was there. Um, I think that was around the time she kind of had a had her England contract and obviously was part of the World Cup winning squad in 2017. Um, so I was obviously around her then and, and got to know her a little bit there. I've never, I don't think I've ever actually played with Al, but played against her quite a lot. And she's a great character. She's hilarious. I, I think I was her first wicket in this year's hundred after hitting her for four straight back down the ground. I tried to do the same thing again. And at least I made it to her retirement highlights reel on the Welsh fire Instagram page, just for the wrong reasons. Right. Um, no, she's a great character. And obviously she's, she's kind of gone down, a slightly different route. So when she lost her England contract, she was obviously still playing cricket, but pretty much then has been one of the faces of, of TMS, which she's done absolutely brilliantly with. And I'm sure a lot of people will kind of echo my words in saying that she's really grown into that role as a sports broadcaster, whether that's on comms, doing a bit of presenting as well now. And, and she's got a really exciting future ahead of her. Obviously only 29 and retiring is pretty young. Um, but she's obviously just reached a point where she's content with that decision and, and wants to pursue her kind of broadcast career. But yeah, she she's a great egg. Anya, she's only thirty one. Um, made her England debut as a as a seventeen year old and was most notably famous for that kind of six for against India in the twenty seventeen World Cup final. Um, Two hundred twenty seven wickets in international cricket and was captain at Southern Brave last year and obviously still is this year and will be hoping to go one better in, in the final on Sunday. But yeah, I was around her for the first time in an environment last year at Southern Brave and yeah, her, her kind of leadership skills and knowledge is unbelievable. Um, was a really great character again. Um, just, yeah, just, just a great person to have around and that kind of, calmness and composure on the pitch is exactly what you want from from a senior player who's leading the team and and then Catherine who I hadn't really I don't know if I, I, I my earliest memory of, of Catherine I think was when I was actually playing a club game when I was 12 or 13 and she was just returning from injury it was a game up in Sheffield so she was just returning from injury she had England coach at the time, Paul Shaw, who's coach of the Manchester Originals, or sorry, was coach of the Manchester Originals, coach of the Thunder. Um, and she was steaming into bowl. And genuinely, 
as a 12-year-old, I did not see the ball the first time she bowled. And I thought, oh, this is this is what uh, international cricket looks like, is it? As a 12 or 13-year-old, that was quite funny. I don't think I got out to her. I might have nudged a couple into the offside and ran a few quick singles to get myself off stride. But well, It's definitely worth getting that set out loud. Oh, I know, well. I know. Um, yeah, didn't get out to her. That was that was personal highlight as a yeah I don't know how old I was but that was my earliest memory of Catherine and then obviously she's done such great things for England kind of over the last two decades 335 international wickets ODI World Cup winner in 2009 T20 World Cup winner in 2009 and was part of three Ashes winning series and yeah she's when I think of kind of fast bowling and certainly in the women's game, she'd be one of the first people that would spring to mind and, and probably one of the first kind of England international women's cricketers that I ever looked up to, um, along with kind of Charlotte Edwards because they're around at similar times and, they, yeah, the game was obviously growing. And to be around her for the past month um, at the Trent Rockets and, and just get an insight into kind of what she's like and and how her kind of... She's still enjoying was still enjoying her time even though she knew that she was coming to the end of her career was yeah just just massive really she's such a great character she's bonkers hilarious super fiery on the pitch um and again I could say I'm a little bit part of part of history in that her final professional wicket I was I actually managed to uh to catch one and not shell it um as Emma Lamb was trying to ramp her when she was coming off her little four step run up a couple of games ago. But yeah, just just all great characters really and have done have done wonders for the women's game in their own right. So yeah, they'll be going out on a high um with well, it could it could be Anya, it could be Hartley that end their career with a nice big gold medal at Lords potentially. So yeah, a, a, an emotional and exciting weekend lined up for those guys. Yeah, I think it's a nice kind of transition as to with to those those finals, and we'll we'll stick with the women's and then go on to the men's to finish off. Um, you're definitely going to be best qualified, but just quickly, we've got the eliminators tomorrow, when we've got the superchargers versus the fire, and in the men's we've got the originals versus the brave. With the women's brave already qualified for Lords on Sunday. And the Invincibles men qualified for Lords on Sunday as well. Out of the Superchargers, the Fire and the Brave, the teams that you've played against, who who are you saying is going to pick up that trophy? I mean, the the Brave just that that organisation down in Southampton, that franchise, whatever you want to call it, whether it's the Brave or the Vipers, it just feels like a it feels like a winning factory. Um, it just feels like it, it's got everything right down there. Like for me, it's going to be hard in the women's competition to turn around and say it isn't going to be the Southern Brave. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Dan. And I think I saw a stat pop up after they beat the Manchester Originals in their final game on Wednesday saying that out of the 25 games that they've played, they've won 20 of them. Two of the losses obviously being in the last two finals. Um which is a remarkable stat, winning 80% of, of your games. And 
I'm sure they'll all be all, all those guys down at Southern Brave. Obviously, it was a brilliant, brilliant team to play for and be a part of last year. Um, they'll be looking to kind of break their break the duck, as it were, on on this competition in particular. I know that it's one that Lottie wants to kind of add to her ever growing collection of domestic silverware. So, yeah, I think I I think the fact that they've gone straight through to the final is probably an advantage for them. Um, it's obviously, yeah, playing the day before, I remember doing it back in, in 2021 with the Invincibles. It, it takes a lot out of you emotionally and physically. We obviously came out on top in the final that year, but the Eliminators are, yeah, the the emotion that and kind of energy that it takes out of you on those days is, is remarkable. But then also it can work in your favour in that when you win that game, you've got so much momentum. Um, and obviously Brave would have had, what, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to kind of get themselves prepared or whatever. But yeah, they're, they're, they're absolutely favourites. I think I do think the Welsh Fire, it'd be a really nice story for them if, if they were to win it this year obviously had pretty much won only one game I think in the previous two seasons which was actually yeah I think they were worst in the comp last year by a distance weren't they yeah I can't remember if they did win a game last year I don't think they did but I remember in the first year the only game they won was actually against us the Oval Invincibles at the Oval um, which of all the teams to beat beating the winners just Seems bonkers, and considering their record, etc. But yeah, they've been they've been a force to be reckoned with this year. Their their top order batters are exceptional. They've obviously got Shabnam Ishmael, like one of the quickest bowlers in the world. Um, so I'd like to see them go through. I'd like to see them win the Eliminator mm-hmm. and play against Brave, and then yeah, I yeah, it'd be it'll be it'll. That would be set up for a good game. But equally, the Northern Supercharger have kind of been there or thereabouts and, and won some really close matches. So they've got that they can take forward, I guess, that kind of confidence. But yeah, it, it will be an interesting one. So after that really elongated answer, did you actually say who you think is going to win or not? Um, I think I think Brave might do it. I think Brave might do it, okay. but I would like... I feel like it would be nice if Fire won it, but I think Brave will do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then the men's as well. Originals, Brave, and the Eliminator tomorrow, and then the Invincibles already through. It sounds kind of easy to just stick with the... I was about to call them the Surrey Invincibles, which is kind of what they are, but um, it does feel like the Southern Brave could... They could do a double, and I, I can't, I'm kind of backing them to do the double, win the men's and the women's competition. Yeah, that would be seriously impressive. Obviously, Brave won, won the men's competition in the first year as well. Um, so so they've got previous experience of this kind of phase of the tournament, and Manchester Originals obviously lost to Trent Rockets in the final last year. I must say, when Manchester Originals played against Trent Rockets, what well, that must have been... Oh, it was last Thursday, I think. When Phil, well, I think I mentioned Phil Salt got that blister in eighty odd. They looked a, a seriously well organised side, and I know that Brave beat them up at Old Trafford earlier this week, and it's a replay of that game. But yeah, I'd be, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go bold and I'm gonna say the Manchester Originals for the men's competition. Although Oval Invincibles are such a a well rounded team. Um and I think I don't know if they've got Heinrich Klaassen for the final. I'm not sure if he's left or not. But he's hit something like seventeen yeah, sixes in the competition, which is just mind boggling. And I think I saw a stat saying he's the leading six hitter in he was the leading six hitter in the SA twenty. Obviously, the hundred. I think there was a there was another competition as well. I don't know if it was the IPL. I can't remember. I feel like it wouldn't have been the IPL, but yeah. I have got round five of this first to a hundred competition for you. You're currently leading by a point. It's nine eight. After I had I I thought I had a pretty good round last week, but it's time you could extend that lead again. You could fluff your lines. I don't know how it's going to go. It's it's not really hundred related, but it is domestic cricket related. And your three, I would like you to name the three worst teams in the two thousand and twenty three Vitality Blast. Least points. Worst net run rates. Oh. And I need the worst three. Okay, Leicestershire's got to be one of them. Leicestershire were the worst team in the blast across both groups. They got four points with a net run rate of minus 1.4. So you got the five-pointer. So you've, you've had a good start. Great start. And who from... The South Group. Um, I think, if my memory serves me... Did Sussex have a stinker? No. They didn't. They had 12 points. Sussex got 12 points. So you've lost your life on the Sussex Sharks. Okay. We're going to go with Gloucestershire. Oh, no. Ten points for Gloucestershire. One life left and two answers left to go. I can't remember where Steelbacks finished. I feel like they weren't... Did they come eighth or did they come seventh? Right, I'm, I'm, I need to think about this. So just bear with me. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, take a quick, we'll take a quick commercial yeah, break. Yeah, that sounds good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, not knots because they qualified. Not, my mind just goes blank. 
Oh, I know. Middlesex. Middlesex. Middlesex were the second worst. They were bottom of the South group with six points, having won just three games and a net run rate of minus 0.9. So, yeah, one team. So you've got first and second. So you've got the big points. It is literally just the last team to get the first clean sweep of the of the competition. So I'm backing myself and saying that it's someone from the North group. And I can't work out if it's the Steelbacks or not. Um, who are the other? So, not, no. Derbyshire, no. Warwickshire, no. Worcestershire, hmm. Not Lancashire. Oh, Yorkshire. It's such a good guess. It's such a good guess, but it is wrong. Yorkshire were eighth in the North group on 10 points with a net run rate of minus 0.737. Eighth in the South group were Glamorgan on 10 points with a net run rate of minus 1.060. So top two. Top two is pretty good again. I mean, I mean, you've moved, you've moved yourself on. You're on 17 points. I would need to get a clean sweep to tie the competition. That was a good one. I enjoyed that. I'm pleased that I did manage to get at least the eighth and the bottom two teams in the respective ones. And it's just net run rate. And no one even knows how to calculate net run rate. I'm convinced. No one's worked that out. The Mancad. The Mancad was back. The Mancad came to cricket again yesterday. It kind of feels like the Grinch at Christmas, doesn't it, the Mancad? It's it's kind of, you, you wait all year for it and the Mancad turns up and Twitter explodes and, and all of a sudden you've got people kind of going, oh, well, it's not within the spirit of the game. And then you've got, oh, well, it is within the rules of the game. And, and the whole people start arguing each other. They call each other names. They shout at one another virtually um, because they wouldn't do it to each other's faces because they're not brave enough to do it. That's why they hide behind computer screens. But in Afghanistan versus Pakistan yesterday, Shadab Khan, who I think was 48 not out at the time, he was, was run out at the non-striker's end because I don't even think you're allowed to call it a mancad anymore because it upsets the man called Mancad, was run out by Faruqi, Fazl Haq Faruqi, the Afghanistani bowler, for 48 in a pretty tight game as well. Fair, firstly, fair play to Afghanistan. I mean, they got hosed in the first game. They got bowled out for 59, I think, and they came back and scored 300 for five with Gurbaz scoring 150. They did lose. Um, I think Nassim Shah like blasted a couple at the end just to get them over the line. But yeah, it, it causes a bit of controversy, doesn't it? What's Firstly, like, what's your thoughts on it? Are you a, it's not in the spirit of the game, or are you a, it's in the rules of the game, let's go for it? Where What side of the fence do you fall on? Oh, I'm very much in the anti-Mancad. Um, Anti-Mancad camp, I would say. I just think it's just... It's just a shambles, really. Like... And it always happens when games get close, right? I've just seen a comment that was made on Twitter. One of the commentators apparently said, why, if if this is a genuine tactic that teams want to employ, why don't they do it in, like, yep. the power play? It's only ever towards the yeah, back a, end of games point. to try and win a game and just get ahead, but deceitfully, in my opinion. 
Um, I don't think there's a place for it in our sport. But people are going to continue to try and get the edge and, and win games however they see fit. But I'm really not a fan. I just think I just think it's rubbish. Imagine imagine your captain or whoever turning around and being like, Oh, you remember that time we won because uh, we man-cadded Shadab Khan or whatever. I know that Pakistan did win. Like, just, yeah, just yeah. can we just discourage that behaviour? Like, that deserves a red card. Not the slow overrate malarkey. That's my that's my two penneth. I think I think it's a really good point, the fact that it it tends to only come out when somebody's massively under the pump, if that makes sense. I don't know, I can't remember the context of it, but obviously uh, was it Senanayaka got Joss Butler, didn't he? He was like one of the first high profile TV ones. And I can't remember the context of that game, but I think Joss Butler was going like a freight train at the time. I don't know what time of the innings it kind of came about, but I think it's a valid point. What you said is, is why is it not done kind of third ball of the day? If somebody is kind of backing up and they're outside of their crease and it is such a, such a legitimate kind of normal way to, to pick up a wicket, which clearly it is because it's within the laws of the game and you're allowed to do it. Why, why do you wait until you're, until you're under the absolute kind of cosh before you bring it out? Like, it's almost like, well, we're not good enough to bowl them. We're not good enough to get them LBW. We're not good enough to snick them off. We're not good enough to get them caught in the deep. So we've tried everything else and we'll give this a go now. Like, if it is such a successful way to pick up a wicket, I, well, I think I might have come to my own conclusion here. Why would you not just do it? But it doesn't go down as it doesn't go down as a wicket for the bowler, does it? So I think I think the bowlers and I, so I'm blaming blaming bowlers here, which I appreciate you've been in bowlers meetings, so therefore you're part of the problem, Joe. Is you want that statistic, you want that wicket, you want that kind of well, I finished with uh, 32 wickets this campaign, or oh, that means I've got an extra MVP point because I got an extra wicket, and that might be the difference between me and my dad in the in the club in the club championship. It goes down as a run out. It doesn't even go down as a, as, a, as a wicket for the bowler. So therefore, therefore, I think it's a pure ego thing for the bowlers that it's kind of like, no, I will, I'll get you out by doing actual cricket things. And if it all fails and I realise the fact that my stats won't actually kind of get any better because I've been pogoed around the park and I've gone at 12 and over anyway, I'm going to bring the man cat out and we'll just take the run out for the team. Yeah, and you know what? I almost think that like, we're talking about it now, right? If there hadn't have been a mancad in that game yesterday, we're probably acknowledging the fact that it was a tight game and then talking about the Asia Cup in a bit, right? But whenever there is yeah. a mancad, there is always so much conversation around it. So is it is it an ego mm. thing in the back of these players' minds? They're saying, oh, do you know what? If I'm mancad, matey boy, today, it's going to go viral on Twitter. I'm going to have all this, all this press kind of surrounding me because... I've done something a little bit controversial and I'm going to get a little bit of oh, okay. free exposure, right? I think that's a different lens. So you think it's a PR it. stuff? Yeah, a, a PR stuff. Yeah. Because every single time like there's ever a mancad in, whether it's international cricket or it's some rogue clubby caught on frog box, somehow it manages to go viral. Like, because everyone is still... I feel like everyone is just still in shock when they happen, even though they've been happening mm. for however long. 
and everyone's still astonished and then all the haters come out you know it's true it's true so oh you you don't you don't bowl that much do you um very much very much part-time I mean, it could be some good PR, <laughs> Joe. Four games left in the season. Just saying, it could be an option. Just to kind of join, just to, just to jump in the other camp for a second. And I know, like, a lot of the argument is with regards to, like, if, if a wicketkeeper were to stump somebody, it, he kind of come up, we can kind of create a similar kind of argument with regards to that, if that makes sense. Like, they've left the crease, not potentially when they shouldn't have, but obviously if you leave the crease, you're entitled to be stumped, run out, whatever you want to call it. But as a wicketkeeper, if if the batter's outside of the crease, I'm not not going to take the bails off for a stumping. So at what point in history, and this I think is a completely rhetorical question, but at what point in history did a stumping become a completely legitimate means of, of dismissal, which actually goes down as a wicket for the bowler, even though the bowler might have bowled the filthiest leg stump, like leg side pie you've ever seen in your life that someone's just missed. That counts as a wicket for them. But actually, the equivalent of what I guess you could come up with an argument and say a stumping at the non-striker's end, which, I mean, okay, it might take a little bit of kind of fabrication, a little bit of a glossing up, a bit of a glow up, you know, for the mancad to call it a stumping. But could you not come up with that same kind of argument? Could you not just stump them at the non-striker's end, having left the crease early? A reverse stumping. Maybe. As I say, it I, it, would, it does need some work. It needs a bit of glitter. It needs a glow up. The mancad needs it needs a glow up. Let's be completely honest. It needs to go and watch a Barbie film. It needs to come out feeling like fresh and and happy about itself. And we need to kind of change it, change the terminology about it. But you could like I genuinely think that there is an argument for that. Yeah, I wonder what the listeners think. I, I'm I'm intrigued to get their views and see where they stand. Whether they're they're in your glow up mancad. Reverse stumping <laughs> camp, or my anti-mancad PR stunt. Um, I mean, there's a few different a few different routes we've we've spoken about. So the floor is open. Would you do it? No. I'd do would it. Would you I'd think d- about the it? The only time I would do it is as a joke. If the game no, were close, no, I wouldn't do it. I would just do it as a on. joke. Like if someone was backing up massively. Yeah. Then maybe I just and it was someone like I knew relatively well. Like I wouldn't do it to a random. Yeah. yeah. If it was someone I knew relatively well and I know that they take it in good jest. I reckon I would just be like, "Way," but not actually, <laughs> not actually okay, let okay. it be a wicket because that's just shambolic and yeah. goes against my moral values and spirit of cricket. Would you do it if you suddenly became a bowler? No. Okay. Good. No. If I suddenly became a bowler, what are you trying to say? I've got one wicket on camera this year, That's probably more than me, to be fair. (laughs) It was a filthy pie and it should have gone out of the ground, but it still counted. It still counted. But no, I wouldn't. It's... Do you know, I think for me, like part two part really, one, because I don't really want to do it. And second of all, like I'm so busy concentrating on actually trying to get the ball where I would like it to end up. Like I, I, the last thing I'm thinking about is where the, where the other bloke's feet is or where the bloke's bat is. So I'm not even really looking for it. Um... I'd be pretty, I don't think I'd back up that much as a batter. Like, I don't think I'm outside of the crease as the bowler actually kind of, like, releases the ball. So, but I'd be pretty, 
I'd be pretty miffed, I think, would be the word that I would describe it if I was if I was the victim of a mancad. I would be miffed as a batter. Yeah, I think whoever it was that would whoever the guilty party was, they would go down in my estimations somewhat significantly, I have to admit. But let's hope that neither of us are involved in any mancad opportunities anytime soon. It'd be a title though, wouldn't it? Good PR. Great PR. Finally, the Asia Cup starts, I think it starts on the, when does it start? The 30th. So it starts on Wednesday coming and we've got Pakistan versus Nepal. Um, the tournament's going to be played between Pakistan and Sri Lanka. So we've got games in Multan, Palakele, Lahore, um, Colombo with the final in Colombo as well. The way I don't know whether it's a tournament you've ever really paid that much attention to before, Joe. It's going to be on BT Sport or TNT Sport or whatever it's called in the UK now. Um, but it splits into two groups of three with India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Afghanistan, Nepal and Sri Lanka, I believe. I'm sure it's two groups of three. Yeah, it is. I was doing a little bit of yeah research then it, then it goes into the Super Fours. So that to me says the top two teams from the two groups of three go through to the Super Fours, which are going to be played between Lahore and Colombo. And then there's a final, which I am guessing is the top two teams from the Super Four then plays in the final in Colombo. The last team to have won it was Sri Lanka. And my understanding is that it switches between a T20 competition to a 50 over competition, kind of depending on what the next major tournament is. So... It's quite a good way for those kind of teams in that Asian kind of pocket to to warm up for that major tournament. So this time around, clearly it's ODI cricket because there's an ODI World Cup coming along. The big game clearly is the third match of the tournament on Saturday, the 2nd of September, which I'm kind of gutted about the fact that I'm playing cricket because it kind of feels like the kind of game that, that you probably quite want to watch. But it's going to be in Palakele in Sri Lanka and it's India versus Pakistan. The last time that game happened and for whatever kind of political reasons there might be, it doesn't happen very often, does it? But obviously it happens in the major tournaments. And just by some miracle, each time there's an ICC tournament, both of those two teams are drawn in the same group with one another. I think it's a bit like the FA Cup, Joe. You know, like when you get to the third round and there's always like a Man United versus a Liverpool. And there's all like, and you know, like Super Sundays on Sky and like all of the Derby days all happen to be on the same Sunday. I think it's one of those kind of like, complete potluck drawing system where actually it's just a complete coincidence that it keeps happening anyway i think the one in the t20 world cup in australia had 256 million uh like eyes on it or views on it on that particular game it kind of feels like about as big of a ticket in sport as you could possibly get but i guess because it's not in in the western world it doesn't really get the doesn't really get the hype or the, the the kind of the energy that maybe it deserves, like the Super Bowl does, or like the Football World Cup, or something like that. Like th- th- this is this is a huge game. Yeah, it's massive. It's the one that everyone, like you say, they were always aware of. India v Pakistan, and oh yeah, it's the the atmosphere and the noise every time they play against each other is unheard of, quite literally, um, because. You, like, it feels like the commentators are like, shouting sometimes because you've got the drums going, you've got people jeering. The entire game 
it's yeah and, and obviously the quality of those two teams speaks for itself in terms of what your yeah, Rohit Sharma your Virat Kohli um, and then you've got the Pakistan quicks in well they just keep coming don't they Shaheen Shah Harris Ralph um, Nazim Shah like it's just top quality cricket and it is it is and it is one of those global events that probably isn't documented in the western world like you say um as as highly as it could be but i think i remember well am i right in thinking there were there were rumors last year when i i think it was when i was still down under that the mcg wanted to host an india v pakistan test match yeah yeah because they not they're obviously aware of of how much revenue and and hype that game brings yeah i think um, ecb might have kind of might have offered their um facilities to host such a series as well and that why wouldn't you like why would you not um why would you not turn around and say yeah we'd, we'd love to host it i mean it's it, it'd be a bit of a cash cow i think would be the technical term for it if you got a even even just a one-off game a one-off game a three-match series whatever you want to call it because i don't even know when would the last time that the two of them would have even played um, a test series between each other? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I don't know the answer to either. I can hear you tapping away trying to find out. So, yeah, Google's amazing. <laughs> uh, December two thousand and seven would have been the last. Wow. Uh, the last test match, I think. Yeah, that is eight... incredible, isn't it? Yeah, quite quite scary genuinely quite scary the fact that, that that it's been that long i don't i i can't sit here and say that i understand the politics between the two the two nations as to as to why and why they don't play one another in those in those competitions but it does feel like from from a fan's perspective anyway it, it does feel like cricket is a worse place with the fact that we have to wait so long for those two for those two powerhouses to come together It'd be kind of it would be a similar kind of thing to to City and United like refusing to play one another, like Barcelona and Real Madrid to kind of go, nah, just don't fancy it anymore. We'll play each other in the Champions League, but we don't really want to play each other in the league anymore. It kind of feels like that kind of thing, and it does feel like if that was to happen to to football or soccer, depending on where you are around the world, similar to to maybe like the Yankees playing the Red Sox in baseball, um, the the Patriots playing. I don't know. I don't even think anybody likes the Patriots anymore in the in in the NFL anyway. But it's, you don't. You know what I mean? It's got that kind of vibe, isn't it? Where it's and it does feel like cricket is suffering as a whole as a sport because those two teams don't play against one another when it's outside of one of these tournaments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you just feel for the fans a bit. I mean, obviously, yeah. You don't know how deep the politics goes, but. If I I know as a as a football fan as a rugby fan, if Northampton Saints suddenly turned around and started saying, actually, do you know what? We're not going to play against Leicester Tigers in the league anymore. Um, if if we happen to play against them in a in a European Champions Cup competition, then so be yeah. it. But actually, we're we're going to can those two fixtures, and they're like. When the fixtures get released, it's that's like the fixture you go, you you you're like right, 
when are we when are we watching Tigers at home? When's when are we away at Welford Road kind of thing? Um, and yeah, it's it's the same. So why is it why does why does it have to wait so long before they play each other? Hmm. No, it's it's a huge shame. It is a huge shame, particularly as you've just said. Like you go through those teams and they are absolutely stacked with with like proper cricketers as well. Like Boomer is back. Boomer is back taking poles against. I know it's Ireland. It's not. It's not Pakistan, but Ireland are a good, good team, and he's back taking big wickets, isn't he? Didn't he take two in the first? His first over back for like no runs. I think it was a double wicket maiden. Um, as you said, you've got Shaheen, Nasim, and Harris Ralph bowling absolute rockets with the ball in for Pakistan, with Shadab Khan and Osama Mir like bowling really really good legs quality leg spin as well then you you talk about the real kind of poster boys with Rohit, with Kohli, with jadeja with hardik pandya people like that like i, I know we we get really excited when we talk about ben stokes and and we talk about butler and and people talk about i was gonna say david warner but he doesn't really get you the, he doesn't really give you the fizz does he anymore like he used to um but those guys those, those indian those pakistani athletes those cricketers like they they are so clear of of any other cricketer around the world. Personally, um, they're they're so clear. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you only had to look at what I think, like Shaheen Shahafridi and, and Harris Ralph were both playing for Welsh Fire in the hundred, and then like they're just but they're just bowling. It feels like head and shoulders above anyone else. Well, in that lineup and the other teams like. They are so exciting to watch, and even we saw in the blast as well, um, like Zaman Khan, for example. Um, he's obviously not involved, and he's still playing in the hundred. But like I remember when we saw him at, for Derbyshire against Northants, and just you know, just kind of that character and stuff that he brings. Like they just add that extra bit of spice. I think these these Indian and Pakistan cricketers. And yeah, as a as a cricket fan, it's super exciting. Who's your Who's your early money on for a winner? India, I think, have won the last four ODI meetings between the two teams, going back to two thousand and seventeen. Um, they last played an ODI, uh, a one day game, would have been in the two thousand and nineteen World Cup, which would have been in Manchester. And India won that on Duckworth Lewis by 89 runs. That was part of like Rohit Sharma's mental World Cup where he just scored hundreds everywhere. He's got 140 in that game. I I, I kind of like an underdog story. And I do feel like Pakistan is is kind of India's little brother when it comes to when it comes to this kind of kind of rivalry. But I do genuinely feel like that pace attack, those three quicks just give me 30 overs of that like that's so exciting like i'm i'm all in on pakistan yeah sorry i'm 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 with you i'm not i'm not i'm not going with india i'm going with you with pakistan as you say because of that heat that they that they bring um and the fact that yeah i'm not virat kohli's biggest fan so that also helps and i fancy yeah. shaheen shah to stand there and give it his big sellies Standing like the angel of the north when he's got Virat's middle stump out the ground. 
Yeah, he's a bit of a new ball merchant, old Shaheen as well, isn't he? He's um, he's dangerous with the new pill. I have one last kind of one last one last thing. Completely, well, it's not really it's not cricket related in the slightest, Joe. Before we kind of end the podcast, and I filmed a video in uh, like Redditch on Monday with a lad called Kieran Gibbs who was born without any hands or without any forearms, and he plays cricket. Phenomenal cricketer, bowls off spin, turns the ball both ways bats as well like this video is going to be insane when it comes out it's so so impressive and a quality lad not relevant to this point that i'm going to ask where i parked my car there was quite a few wasps about and when i was packing my car back up i was put the stuff in the boot and i, I kind of thought i bet there's going to be one of these sneaky buggers that are going to, like that's got in my car and i was driving back down the m5 and i thought i'd got away with it and all of a sudden, out the corner of my eye, on my driver's side like window, was this wasp. And no one likes wasps, do they? So I kind of went, I kind of shit myself a little bit. And I kind of, I tried to open the window. But because of the breeze coming in through the window, the wasp like flew into the back of the car. So I then had to stop at the next kind of safe space to get this wasp out of my car. Because I thought, well, I don't think driving at 70 mile an hour, getting repeatedly stung by wasps, is really the thing I want to be doing. So I got, out, I got out the car, opened the boot up, and the wasp flew away. By which point, this was around like Swindon slash Sirencester kind of area. I don't know whether you know it or not, but some people listening might. So it's probably an hour and a half, an hour south of, of where I picked this wasp up. The wasp flew out the car and cleared off straight away. So what I want to know is, does the, I was a bit disappointed because does the wasp fly out the car and go, oh shit, where am I? Like this this doesn't feel like the bin that I was near when I left Redditch. Does it fly all the way back to Redditch? Or does it like find a new family of wasps? Does it just knock on a new wasp house and just go, oh yeah, lads, um, bit lost here. Can I just hang out with you lot for a bit? I don't know. That that's my that's my kind of strange driving thought for the for the week. I love your strange driving thoughts, Dan. I think they're remarkably thought-provoking shall we say and i'm not i'm not a massive biological expert ecology expert so i don't know the answer mm. however if we could just uh hotline to david attenborough he might be able to to sort us out <laughs> but surely that wasp isn't flying all the way back to reddit like well, surely that has to just find like, are they all friends? Like, how do the colonies work? I'm not, so you I'm, know you've got my cogs turning. Yeah, see, I don't know. I don't know. I, it was something that I had spent quite a lot of time thinking about for the remainder of the drive back. So um, I'm kind of glad that you haven't been able to give an answer because it's 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 nice to kind of share these thoughts, you know, share these questions, put them out there and just kind of see what the people think about them. It certainly is. And you know what? The main thing is that you successfully negated the threat of said wasp and you didn't mm. get stung because that would have not been a pleasant experience no that would have been in inconvenient at best sports social podcast network with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.